and you have put on Jesus in baptism. Be proud of it. May I see your hand, please? Look around. What a great crowd. What a great number of Christians. Let me ask the Christians of this audience. Is it well with your soul? In other words, how are you and Jesus doing? Do you love Jesus more right now than you've ever loved Jesus in your life? You, you pray more now than you've ever prayed? You give more now than you've ever given? You attend church more now than you've ever attended church? Honestly, be honest. Is it well with your soul? Well, what I want to do for a few minutes in this morning's study, I want to take you back to a story in the Bible, a story about the life of a young man. A life of a young man, a young man that drifted from God. I want you to open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 15. It's the third book of God's New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, there's the book, chapter 15. As you turn there, let me just say, what, a, what an honor to be back at Winchester. I appreciate this church. I love this church. Uh, Joseph uh, did a great job. Lead- Joseph, I didn't know you were a song leader, man. Did a great job leading the singing this morning. He's not only a great preacher, he's a great song leader. It's an honor to uh, be back with this church. Uh, you're a family here. A lot of good things going on at this church, and I'm, I'm excited about the day with you. I told the Bible class a few minutes ago that Luke chapter 15, Jesus speaks about a lost sheep, a lost silver, and some lost, a lost son. In Luke 15, verses 1 through 7, he speaks about a lost sheep, verses 8, 9, and 10 some lost silver, and then in verses 11 through the remainder of the chapter, 11 through 32, he speaks about a lost son. We're going to start in verse 11, and we call this guy a prodigal kid, a prodigal son. And this morning, I'm going to tell you why. Let's read the story again. We read it in Bible class a few minutes ago. Let's uh, listen to, to the words of Jesus. Luke 15, let's start in verse 11. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his substance, his goods, on riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a person, a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine or pigs. And he would fain have filled his belly with a husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and even to share despair? And I perish with hunger. Uh, I will arise and go to my father. And, and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And then our brother read it a few minutes ago. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion. And ran. And fell on his neck. 
and kissed him. And the son said unto him, O father, I've sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I'm not worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and, and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and, and shoes on his feet and, and bring hither the fatty calf and kill it. And Ah, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead in his life again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And that's Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. We've already indicated, we call this the story of the prodigal son. And brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you why. Let me tell you what I see in Luke chapter 15. First of all, I see this. He's selfish. The kid of Luke 15, the younger son, is selfish. Go back to verse 11. Let me show you why I say that. Luke 15 and verse 11. Jesus said a certain daddy had two boys. Maybe you have two sons. Maybe you have two daughters, but this daddy had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me. Hey, daddy, give me what's coming to me. Notice the pronoun me. He goes to his daddy like this. Hey, hey, Papa, Papa, don't forget about me. Take care of me. Give me what's coming to me. You know his basic problem? I tell you his basic problem. Selfishness. Concerned about me, myself, and I. Hey, Papa, take care of me. Don't forget about me. We all struggle with it, don't we? With this thing called selfishness. Have you ever noticed how selfish little babies are? How old? Two and a half. I've got a two-month-old grandbaby, little Abram. Got five grandchildren, my youngest, two-month-old. His name is Abram. And uh, little babies are cute, but they're rude. Have you noticed that? I mean, little, little Abram wakes up, it's two o'clock in the morning, and he's wet and he's hungry. You know what he does, don't you? <laughs> well, Pete knows what he does. You think my grandson, who's two years old, you think he looks at his watch and says, oh, it's two o'clock in the morning and mom's asleep and dad's in bed. I don't think I will bother them. Oh, no. Oh, no. What's he going to do, Pete? Yeah, that's what he does, right? And we're like little Abram. We go through life saying, let me tell you what I want. Let me tell you what I need. How many of you spend any time on yourself? Getting yourself ready before coming to church. Did you uh, comb your hair? Did you shave? Some of us didn't, Joseph. <laughs> I shaved last night and I shaved this morning. I shaved twice in the last 12 hours. Joseph uh, lost his... I like the look, though. He looked sophisticated. He looked smart. He really looked smart. Uh, did, you, uh, did you put deodorant under your arms, fellas, before coming to church? Most of us did, right? We don't want to come to church and stink. Ladies, did you put on your makeup? I can tell some of you did. And bless your heart, some of you got excited. Put on so much makeup that if somebody walked up, hit you on the back of the head, your face would tumble off. But that's okay, ladies. You, you look nice. You really look nice. I like the makeup. 
But we're so concerned about how do I look and how do I smell? Is my hair in place? Is my towel right? Does my coat match my pants? We're so concerned about me, myself, and I. I think about what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting verse 1. 2 Timothy 3, starting verse 1. This know also, in the last days... Do you realize we're living in the last days? You say, Keith, how do you know that? The Bible tells me so. Paul said, this know also in the last days perilous times shall come. What are you talking about, Paul? He says, men will be lovers of their own selves. Did you hear that? Paul, last days, troublesome times, fierce, perilous times. What are you talking about, Paul? Men will be lovers of their own selves. Now, he goes on to say, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. But brothers and sisters, did you notice the very first sin on the list? The very first sin on the list, men will be lovers of their own selves. You know why there are so many divorces in America? Divorces, selfishness. You know why there's so much greed in our country? Selfishness. You know why there's so many church fusses and church fights and church splits? Selfishness. Man, I've got to have it my way. My way or the highway. If the elders don't make the decisions that I like, or if the preacher doesn't preach what I want, or if the song leader doesn't lead the songs that I like, I'll just quit church. And we're so consumed with me, myself, and I. Selfishness. We all struggle with it. And that's what I see in the boy of Luke 15. He goes to his daddy with his hand out. Hey, Papa. Hey, Papa. uh, Don't forget about me. Give me what's coming to me. So the father divides his living. But I see something else here. Let me share it with you. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his goods, his money, on wild living. Let me tell you what I see in verse 13. Here's what I see. I see the word sin. It's not mentioned specifically, but the kid gathers all together and takes his journey to a far country, and he wastes his money on wild, extravagant, sinful living. You say, Brother Keith, what did he do? Did he gamble? Maybe. Uh, what, about, what about alcohol? Was alcohol involved? Did he get drunk? Perhaps. Wild women? Did he sleep around? Maybe. But in that far country, he sinned. Sin literally means to miss the mark. To mi- when we sin, we miss the mark. You say, Keith, I don't understand. Well, the mark that we're shooting for is to be like Jesus. We're trying to be like Jesus. And when we're not like Jesus, we've sinned. Basically, we can do it in two ways. Number one, we can commit a sin. Sin by commission. We can do something that God said don't do. Don't curse. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. And if we do these things, we break the law of God. We break the heart of God. 1 John 3, verse 4. Sin is the transgression of the law. It's stepping across God's boundaries. It's missing the mark. There's another way we can sin, you say, Keith. Sin by commission, yes. 
But there's also the sin of omission. What does that mean? We can omit some things. We can fail to do what God wants us to do. Uh, God says, I want you to love. I want you to give. I want you to pray. I want you to come to church. I want you to read your Bible. James 4.17 Therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So we can sin by commission. We can do something that God said don't do. Or we can sin by omission. We can fail to do what God wants us to do. And in that far country, the kid spent everything on wild living. Prodigal living. And let me be very, very serious with you, church. That's what sin will do. Are you listening? Sin will separate you from your parents, from your church, from your family. Sin will drive you into a far country. Sin will separate you from God. In fact, didn't Isaiah say in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2, your sin, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. You say, Keith, we call him a prodigal son, a sinful son. Why? Well, number one, there's selfishness. He goes to his daddy like this. Hey, Papa, take care of me. Give me what's coming to me. And selfishness led to spending everything on wild, extravagant, prodigal, riotous living. In that far country, he messed up. But I see something else. Let me share it with you. I see this word. I see the word starved. Starved. He's hungry. Let me show you how hungry he is. Verse 14. Look down to verse 14. When he had spent all, he spends all of his money. There arose a mighty famine of that land. He began to be in want. And so he goes and he joins himself to a person of that country. And this guy sends him into his fields to feed pigs. And he would fain... Listen to this part. Verse 16. It's a great story. Jesus said he would fain have filled his belly with the hus that the swine did eat. And brothers and sisters, do you see how starved he is? He's so starved he could eat pig food. He's so starved he could eat the slop. By the way, are we having dinner after church today? Is there a covered dish dinner? Some of you are smiling. Okay, we are having covered dish dinner. That's awesome. I love to eat. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about staying around for that covered dish dinner. I'm excited about the afternoon devotional. We're going to stay for that. I'm excited about that. Folks, can you imagine a slop fellowship? Imagine the announcement. You know, we sing the songs and we pray the prayers. We have communion. And the last thing that Joseph says now, Joseph says now, we want everybody to stay for the slop fellowship. Slop! You ever slop the hogs? I want you to see this boy. He's sitting in this pig pen. You know, he's just sitting here. And the pigs are there. And the pigs are rooting and wallowing and feeding and whatever else pigs do. And this boy's just, you know, sweat's pouring down his face. And he looks at his hands, and they're stained, they're muddy. Sweat's pouring down his face. And he feels his tummy. And he's starved. Man, he says, I, I, I could even eat pig food. He, he starved physically. He, he starved emotionally. He starved financially. And he starved spiritually. Now, let me tell you what I believe that Jesus wants us to say in Luke 15. Brothers and sisters, if we start with this, 
if we start with selfishness, selfishness leads to missing the mark, breaking the heart of God, sin, doing wrong, and sin leads to what? Sin leads to starvation. Is that right or wrong? Am I telling you the truth? If we start with, I'm on the throne, got to have it my way, my way or the highway, I'm always right. Give me what's coming to me. Selfishness leads to sin, and sin leads to starvation. Now, we're not starved physically. Most of us have plenty to eat physically. But let me ask you, are you starved for a compliment? Maybe a pat on the back? Maybe you're starved for a... Maybe we have some women who are starved for a hug, a non-sexual hug. Just some affection. And then I'm not God. I don't know the hearts of people. But I have a suspicion that maybe some of us are starved spiritually for a better relationship with God. It used to be better. We felt better. We, 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 we knew we were living better. But maybe we've drifted into a far country. Maybe... You've gotten to the point that you never attend a Bible class. Not because you can't come, you just make the decision, I'm not going to be there. Maybe you've gotten to the point that you never come on Sunday night or Wednesday night. Not not because you can't be here, you've just made the decision, I don't want to be there. And there's something inside that's keeping you from a better relationship. Do you feel your hunger? Do you feel your need? Do you feel like, man, it could be better? Is it really well? With my soul. I tell you what, let's do. Let's not leave the kid in the pig pen. Let's bring him home. He comes home. Go down to verse 17. I love verse 17. When he came to himself. What does that mean? He woke up. He repented. He changed. He comes to his senses. And he says, Hmm. How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough in despair? And here I am in this pig pen dying with hunger. You know what he does in that pig pen? He thinks about home. He thinks about his daddy. And he says, huh, wow, my father. My father was good to, well, he was good to the slaves, to the box boys, to the bus boys, to the peons. But my father was good to us sons. He was good to us He was even good to the slaves, but he was good to us sons. And he thinks about the goodness of his daddy. I want to make a statement to you. It may be the most important thing that I say the entire morning, so listen to me. If you're a baptized believer, if you raised your hand a few minutes ago, I'm a Christian, I belong, I'm a child of God. I've got some good news for you. Here's the good news. You have a good father. You have a good father. You say, Keith, my father abused me when I was a kid. What do you mean a good father? I'm not talking about your father. You say, my daddy ran off with another woman, left mom to struggle with us kids. I'm not talking about your daddy. I'm talking about your father. If you're a Christian, you have a good father. 
And brothers and sisters, I, I, I came with some good news. People call me a gospel good news preacher. If I'm a gospel preacher, it's good news. Let me share with you some good news. Your father, when, when this occurred to me many, many years ago, it literally changed my life. I, I went from a burdened Christian to a blessed Christian. I went from a, a guilt-ridden Christian to an at-peace kind of Christian. To, to somebody that could sing the song that Joseph led. It is well with my soul. Let me tell you, the simple, it's a very simple thought, but it literally changed my life. And the thought that changed my life is this. Our Father, my Father, my Father is so good. He wants me to be saved even more than I want myself to be saved. Let, let, let me say it like this. Your Father is so good. Your Heavenly Father is so good. He wants you to go to heaven even more than you want yourself to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven? You guys just missed a wonderful opportunity to say amen. So I'll give you another shot. You want to go to heaven? You say, go to heaven? Keith, there's nothing that I want more than to go to heaven. See, that's a great desire. But no matter how strong your desire is to go to heaven, no matter how fired up you become, you can read and study your Bible every day. You can get down on your knees and pray 17 times a day. You can get out here and knock on doors and set up Bible studies and talk to your neighbors and friends about heaven. You can attend every church service there is to attend Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I'm telling you, folks, no matter how strong your desire is to go to heaven, there's a God in heaven who loves you. He's crazy about you. And He wants you to be saved even more than you want yourself to be saved. See, God is not against you. He's for you. He's for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? I have three children. I have two daughters. And I have my son, Pete. You think I, as a father, you think I, as a daddy, you think I want my kids to go to heaven? Parents, let me just ask, do you want your kids to go to heaven? You say, my own babies? Sure, I want my kids to go to heaven. And see, if we want that for our kids, don't you know the Heavenly Father wants that for His kids? God is not against you. He's not. He loves you. I wish that I had the words to tell you how much God loves you. But if God be for you, who can be against you? And all of a sudden, in that far country, away from home, with the pigs there, the mud everywhere, the kid thinks about the goodness of his daddy. My, 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 my father was good to the slaves. But he was especially good to us boys. So he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to say, Daddy... hard to say, isn't it? Isn't it hard to say? In my judgment, the hardest word in the human language is the word no. It's hard for me to say no. Somebody calls on the phone. Hey, Keith, would you come and preach for us? Sure, when? I'll be there. Tell me when. It's hard for me to say no to an invitation to preach. It's just the way that I'm wired. I love to preach. Grateful for the opportunities. But it's hard for me to say no to that preach. It's hard for me to say no to the second piece of pie. Now, if I can say no to the first piece, 
I can say no to the second piece. But it's hard to say no to that first piece, especially if it's chocolate pie, right? Or pecan. Or a coconut. I love pie. It's hard. Isn't it hard to say no to pie? Hardest word in the human language is the word no. You know what the two hardest words are? Two hardest words. I'm sorry. Hey, brother, I'm sorry. Sister, I'm sorry. Church, I'm sorry. Honey, sweetheart, wife, I'm sorry. Because when I say I'm sorry, I'm not blaming you. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm pointing fingers at this guy. Hardest word, no. Two hardest words, I'm sorry. You know what the three hardest words are? Three hardest words. They're found in Luke 15 and verse 18. Did you notice? Three hardest words. The kid says, I will arise, I will go to my daddy, and I will say to him, Father, three hardest words. I have sinned. I have sinned. Could, could, could we say that together? Would you mind? Is it okay to talk out? You clapped a few minutes ago. I guess it's okay to talk out in a clapping church. Could we say that together? I have Let me ask you, when was the last time you said that to anybody other than just now? When was the last time you walked down a church aisle and said to your church family, I've sinned. You've been a Christian how long? You say, you say, Keith, I raised my hand a few minutes ago. I'm a baptized believer. Been a Christian how long? Five years? Ten years? You say, Keith, man, I, I, I was baptized back in the 1960s. Man, I, I, I've, been a Christian. I've been a Christian most of my life. I've been a Christian for over 50 years. Oh, for over 50 years. That's wonderful. In 50 years. Have you ever said three simple words? I have sinned. It's biblical. You say, Brother Keith, give me some Bible. This is a church, give me some Bible. Let me give you some Bible. James 5.16 Confess your... We dress it up and we say faults. Confess your fault. Confess your sins one to another. I confess to you, you confess to me. Confess your sins one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. 1 John 1 and verse 9, John said, if we, we as Christians, we as God's people, if we confess our sins, if we say to one another, I have sinned, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. Let me plant this seed. Let me just plant this seed. In just a moment, when we sing the invitation song, if you're a Christian, but it's not well with your soul, if you've kind of been struggling with your faith, if you need to be prayed for, Is there anybody in this church that needs to be prayed for? If you need to be prayed for, may I encourage you to do something? When we sing the invitation song in just a moment, why don't you lead the way this morning? Why don't you be open enough and humble enough and prayerful enough and honest enough to come before God and your church family and simply say, pray for me. I need to be prayed. Pray for our marriage. Pray for our home. Pray for me. I have sinned. Could I plant that thought?
The kid says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and I'm going to say, Daddy, I have... does he do it? Verse 20. Verse 20. He arose, came to his father. You know how we would say it? He responded. I go away and preach somewhere and people ask, well, Keith, were there any responses? All the time there are responses. Sometimes I go away and preach, were, were there any responses? Yeah, about 300. All of them said no. That's a response. No's a response. But the kid of Luke 15 did not say no. He said yes. He walked the aisle. He came forward. We, we, we say it like that. Did anybody go forward? He went forward. He, he, he went home. He arose and he came to his father. And I love this verse. Listen to it. And when the father saw him, i tell you what I think of. I wonder how long had the old daddy been looking. How long had he been looking? When the father saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion. And don't miss these next two words. Don't miss them. They'll change your life. And ran. And ran. When was the last time you saw your old father run? Have you ever seen your old 80, your old father run? Your daddy run? And he ran. And he fell on his neck. And he kissed him. And brothers and sisters, that tells me something about God. You know what that tells me about God? If you step out in one of these aisles and you come forward this morning and you say, you know, I'm not a Christian. I'm I'm not a member of God's family. But I know what Jesus taught in John chapter 3. You've got to be born again, born of water and the Spirit. And I know what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16. Anybody that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And I believe in Christ, and today I want to be baptized. If you come forward and say, you know, you know I, I need to be baptized. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, folks. God will not walk to meet you. He won't walk. He'll run. He'll run. And if you step out on one of these aisles this morning, you come forward and you say, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a member of God's family. But I've not been a faithful Christian. I've not been a fired up Christian. I've not been committed. I've been struggling with my faith. I just need to be prayed for. If you come this morning saying, I have sinned, pray for me. If you come saying, pray for me, let me tell you, let me tell you something. God, the God of heaven, God will not walk to meet you. He won't walk. He won't walk. You'll run. He'll run. Will God run? Will the God of heaven run? That's what Luke 15 is all about. It's really not the story of the sorry son. It's the story of the fantastic father. The father filled with grace and mercy and love and forgiveness will not walk. He'll run. You thinking about responding? You thinking about coming coming forward? Let me tell you something. Satan doesn't mind that you're thinking about changing. Oh, Satan doesn't mind that some of you right now are thinking about leading the way for the whole church family. Coming forward and saying, pray for me. He doesn't mind that you're thinking about it. Because as long as you sit there and think about it, oh, Satan says, <laughs> got you right where I want you. Keep thinking about it. Quit thinking about doing what's right. And just do it. Just do it. God loves you. God loves you. God says, I want my babies to come and live with me forever and forever. 
I want you to live with me forever and forever. Come back. Would you come back? Been in the far country, been struggling with your faith? Need to come home? Why don't you lead the way? And I have a feeling, I have a feeling, that if somebody responds, another will come, and then another, and maybe even more and more and more. Why don't you lead the way? Will God run? Will the God of heaven run? You take the first step out of one of these aisles down to the front. And God will not walk to meet you. He won't walk. The God of heaven will run. Let's stand and sing.